Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. We're heading into space again for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> we are. And it's a tear-stained space journey for me. <laughs> Is it? Why is it tear-stained? I just find it really sad. Well, the whole story. Yeah, well, just like the ending. It really upset me. And then I was like, I have to watch it again and cry again. <laughs> yeah. It's an emotional one. It's very, um, like, the first one was very much like, and now we're on this planet and this fight happens. And then on this planet and this fight happens. And then on this planet and this fight happens. Whereas this one, there's only really sort of two settings in it. Yeah. It's more like, and now we're going to give you an extensive legendary uh, uh, mythos about this whole, about the whole world and existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But they always say this one's just about like what family means. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very it's like um, the scene in Star Wars where he's like, "I am your father." It's like that, but for two hours. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It is like that, but <laughs> did you did you? Did you notice that we've spoken about Kurt Russell's character Ego before in another podcast? Yes. So this this was a question I was going to have <laughs> for you throughout. So he's like a planet, yeah, a living a planet. planet. And is that any relation to the planet that um, Simmons gets stuck on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, that's the, the theory. Little, the little bastard planet, as you call it. A little bastard planet. That's the theory, is that they're one and the same. Yeah. It but. seems, because I remember you saying that it's like a living planet. Yeah. Um, it's like a person who became a planet or vice versa or something. So when I saw this and discovered that Kurt Russell, who's called Ego, is not so much a man, he is a planet, but mm. he's like sort of life itself, sort of. Um, he's God. Is it, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they upgraded him. So in the comics, he's just the, he's, cos, he's like a cosmic planet, basically. But mm. in this, they've made him a celestial. So they've upgraded him. So what's a celestial? Like, like you say, like a sort of more of a, a uh, like like a god kind of thing. Yeah. Ah, like, but it sounds a bit more like a sort of Western style god. Oh yeah. Like an actual yeah, yeah. human figure who's very powerful. Yeah, but not the number one god. Just no godlike. <laughs> no. Godlike in that he has extreme powers. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so that was interesting because I remember we talked about it and you were like, oh, does he pop up in another film? Will we see Ego again? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And you were like, I have so many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I think I hold them to myself quite well sometimes. You do. You do well. You, I'm very impressed that you managed to last all those episodes and not be like, so by the way. <laughs> I know, because I, I really want to quite a lot. <laughs> she really noticed my quiz. I'm like, these are questions I've already said because I can't keep them to myself anymore. So you get quite emotional with this one, do you? Well, I just, so my my thing is, is going into plot, but with Yondu, I mm. love that he has this whole reckoning and realises, you know, and you realise there's more to him and Peter's relationship 
than is. Yeah. Um, but then, then he dies. And I was like, oh, I would have liked to never, you know, when they came to that realisation, I would have liked to never film or so. And also they had, because they didn't want people to know that he wasn't, you know, he was dying. They, they sort of planted him on the Avengers set. So I, I wasn't expecting him to die. <laughs> and it really caught me off guard. I, I love how elaborate they have to go to hide that a character dies. Like, we'd like you just to be on the set and we'll take a picture of you and leak it. <laughs> yeah, in costume as well. And his costume is like not an easy one to get into. Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, I liked it. It just, it just made me sad. I would have liked more, because then it would have felt more sad, you know, when he died. I, I did think that his, yeah, I liked the idea that um, he's more of a father figure to Peter, and it kind of explained things a lot more. Because this was one of my, although I liked the first Guardians, I didn't feel like I fully understood the dynamic between them, and the, the I felt like there were a lot of gaps in the history behind Peter Quill and his father and his parentage in general that could have been filled in for it to make it a bit more involving. Whereas this one filled in all the gaps. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, yeah, I, it was like, it, it wasn't until later in the film, you fully understand the father son relationship that they have and why that happens. Um, and I think I agree with you. I think a th they, he should have survived to have a third film together. Cause you know, they're both very, they're both good actors. They're good. They bounce off each other quite well. Um, yeah. It would have been nice to see that, I guess, but you know, it's it's Marvel. Like you can bring anyone back to life. It's very true, <laughs> very true. But I just, I just would have, it would have meant more. I think rather than him be like, oh, I am, I'm your daddy, and then die. I would yeah. have liked a little bit more. Like I said, Star Wars did it. He said, I'm your daddy, and I'm going to be in the next film. And it, it was one of those ones where it made me feel a bit strange when I came out of the cinema. I think it was. I yeah, I wouldn't say I was sad by the ending, but. I wouldn't say I was massively emotionally involved. It was fun mm. and it, it got the, it got it like the first one. It had the right balance of like being a bit fun, being a bit dramatic. Sometimes um, it had the sort of like spangly special effectsy stuff that you get like a sort of updated Flash Gordon, um, yeah. which is always fun to see. I think, I think there's a big market for that. I think they're very creative with how they use Rocket and Groot and, mm. and Drax and these kind of side characters in, a funny way but also making sure they're still heroes at the same time um but not like massively emotionally involving like you're not you know by the end of avengers you're just like oh my god how are they gonna get out of this one whereas at this yeah. one I was like, oh they'll probably get out they'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> they kind of drag out the whole oh peter's definitely gonna die and you're like well he's not is he let's yeah. let's be serious he's definitely not but i quite like that there's that big bit on the ship because you know Drax is not very emotional normally. He's mm. like, "Where's Peter? Where's Peter?" Mm. Um, you get you get more of a sense of this sort of kinship between them, which is nice. But it was one of those films that just kind of wrong-footed me because I don't know what I went in expecting. I, I guess actually I do know because you you know they built up like, "Oh, who's his dad going to be? Oh, who's his dad going to be?" And you kind of think, "Oh my God, his dad's going to be someone amazing," and it's going to be like. And I, I think it's very clever the way they do it, where it's like, mm. oh, Christy's a horrible person. Yeah. Um, and that was good. But it just kind of wrong footed because I think everyone had their theories as to who they thought his dad was going to be. And nobody guessed ego. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a, that was a, caught us all by surprise. I think it, they revealed a lot in a very short space of time towards the end. Yeah. They built up, built up, built up. Then suddenly they were like, Oh, by the way, he's evil. Oh, by the way, there's all these dead children in the cavern. And by the way, you know, if you yeah. go into the center and destroy the core, you destroy him. And 
by the way, he's a great big planet and there's a great big face on it. And and suddenly all the, the gold people, the gold C-3PO's are coming back in. But a lot <laughs> happens in that last like 45 minutes. And it's it, I feel like they could have, you know, revealed things a little bit more steadily, maybe. But I would still put it uh, very much in middle tier, along with like yeah. Doctor Strange, the Iron Man, Iron Man 3, like that. It was it was entertaining. Just yeah, not for like sure. as dramatic and involving as some of the the god tier ones <laughs> yeah, I agree I agree with that and I also I read a critics review of it which kind of hit it for me I guess was that it's like going on a roller coaster you loved once before mm. and doing it again and it doesn't have the same vibe as it did the first time because you're like well I've done this before a little bit yeah they always needed a bit more to take it further but I'm not quite sure what they would do I mean, I got oh. what I wanted from it, and that was fun special effects. It made me laugh. I love the bit with the tape at the end when they're trying to get some tape. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that when they injected bits like that, that was funny. Yeah. They uh, are all very good characters as well. Like you get a real sense of who everyone is. They feel very individual. Whereas I think sometimes with the Avengers, they're all very like they're very sort of I'm a hero. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. Whereas yeah. this, they're all not heroes, so, but they've all got their own little vibe going they're on. They're very distinctive separate yeah. characters and uh they bounce they bounce off each other very well yeah yeah motley crew a better motley crew than bloody agents of shield oh yeah well that's not hard and you got to interview some cast members for this did you not i did did you have did. fun with that i did i had a lot of fun like i love zoe saldana mm. she's like the nicest person in the world i was that was one of my first interviews live <laughs> like oh, on really live which is terrifying and they'd asked me to do something really weird which was like give her a whiteboard like my team had asked me to give her a whiteboard so she had to write her answers write people's names down or something while she answered their questions it was like they were getting like a visual autograph type vibe um but she was wearing a pure white top and they were really frightened about the ink oh yeah quite a stressful thing because they were like you have to wipe the board down each time you have to take this I was like hopping off my chair taking the board wiping it down and then um she was like, I'll do it. It's fine. I'll do it. She was just doing it and just being really, really lovely and mm-hmm. very warm, very chatty. And and then I interviewed Chris Pratt. As mm-hmm. we but that was a weirder one because I had to do like um, this or that type vibes with like British stuff. You asked him about the Beatles, like which yes. people you like to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was doing like, juice with the pub or without the pub? Scone, uh, cream first, jam first. Ringo, John... George, can't remember the last one. My God, what's the last Paul. beach? Paul. Paul, the, the Paul. most famous one. It's because my brain's not working. And he he did this whole, like, it was George. And do you want to know why? And I was like, go on then, because why not? It's <laughs> about how he was very spiritual and close to God. Uh, um, which kind of, like, changed the tone of the interview a little bit because we were going for, like, fast-paced and funny. And then it became deep and spiritual and philosophical. Even spiritual, so yeah, exactly. And I was like, I always oh. said you. I remember you saying to him, "Well, George never gets picked, really. Like you, I did. you either pick Paul because he's the most famous, John because you know, he died young, yeah, or Ringo because like being, he's the one yeah, that people forget about. So people deliberately pick him, but people actually forget about George. Yeah, it's very true. And he did like a big thing that I was like, oh, what do you do if you're scorn? Is it? Oh, scone or scone? I decided scone, which I think is correct. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it depends on where you're from, but like posh Southern people say scone. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but everyone else thinks the posh way is scone. It's very confusing. Because it sounds posher. Scone. Yeah. Scone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cream or jam first. And he was like, I do cream. 
then jam is like but actually what I do do is I do butter then cream and jam and I eat my wife's scone as well and scone and blah 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 it was like he was being quite funny it was just that one flip where he was a bit George Ah, that does fun. That's, I think celebrities probably enjoy that because they probably sit in a little room and they get given the same questions. Like, um, I like watching clips of Scarlett Johansson constantly being asked, like, how did you manage to get into that sexy outfit? How did you, yeah, how much weight yeah. did you lose and stuff like that? And she must get that question constantly. So she starts snapping back at them. Whereas I think if you are go in and be like, so which is your favorite Beatle? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's a and bit it, refreshing. I they get stuck in these rooms like I don't know if they it's changed now with, with COVID like it's all over Zoom and WhatsApp now but before they would just be in these hotels and it would just be constantly journalists cycling through so they if you got them at the beginning of the day it's probably quite good because it's like you know they've they've just started they're like energy pumped but if you get them towards the end it's like I completely understand that they're not in the mood for it because they've been there for hours and it will just yeah. be people like me going and when did you relate to your character and they're like oh I've been asked this like a million times so yeah, yeah. It's nice to try and have something a bit different. Mm. Yeah, Zoe Saldana was honestly one of the nicest people I've ever interviewed. Oh, that's nice. And I met Karen Gillan when I was a young journalist at Cosmo. When I was a young, mere young little glimpse. I was a young snapper, went to the polo <laughs> and she was there. Oh. And she was my first ever interview because I interviewed her while I was there. I think she's probably the best performer in this mm. because she's so, you just you just forget it's her. Yeah, that's very I true. Think it's it's just... good to see her do a character actor as well, because I guess before we'd we'd just seen her as Amy Pond, really, had we? I guess so. Yeah, I think I I think of her as that just because that was the first her first introduction hmm. to the world, really, wasn't it? It's Doctor Who. So, um, but I think yeah, she's so she's completely in that character, and I know it helps that she has so much sort of makeup and stuff on that you can't see it's her anyway, but. Um, I, I, I think Nebula is a really, really good character. I like that she's not quite overused. She's kind of comes in, is like kind of sassy and stuff and then goes away again for a bit and comes back a bit later. Yeah, and she's such an interesting look as well. Mm. Like her aspect is amazing. I think she actually shaved her head for the role. Did she? Nice. Method acting. Always yeah, works. Went, went deep. And she's got such beautiful hair as well. You're like, oh, what? Your hair? <laughs> if method acting works for Meryl Streep, must work for anyone else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, and I love her dynamic with Zoe. They have a really good relationship, I think. Like, you kind of get that whole sister who hate each other vibe, but also love each other. Yeah, so, yeah. I liked I liked Nebula's arc in this yes. very, very much. I think I actually thought this was better written than Yondu's arc. Although Yondu's arc was good, and then it kind of, suddenly he died, and it's like, oh, oh okay. Like, Not I could have really gone a bit further. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I think Nebula's really good. Like, she... I like how she sort of changes who she considers her enemy to be. And it's kind of left at the end with, a, you know, wanting a bit more. And I'm very interested to see how she turns out, I think. Let's do some plots. So uh, Guardians opens up and we see Peter Quill's parents, who are Kurt Russell and another woman. <laughs> another woman. I don't know who the actress's name is. <laughs> um, something like... Laura Haddock. I might have made this up, but I'll look it up for you. You just made up a name there, didn't you? I did. I did. No, it is Laura Haddock. That's her. Yeah. And they are doing. They are being very in love and enjoying their lives together. And she calls him a spaceman because we sort of we already had hints. Do we know at this point that he's not of this? Oh, we do know he's not of this earth because we know Peter Quill's only half human. Yeah, based on how he survived at the last. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he, they're like being in love and shit. And they also are snogging around this little alien, cute little alien plant, which looks really cute, but later turns out to be not so cute. No. <laughs> it's a bad one. Uh, then we skip forward to the present day and we have these really, really fun opening credits, which is just sets the tone beautifully, I think, where you've got this great big monster fighting them all and the credits are basically Groot just dancing around and ignoring everything that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Groot, you loved him. I that. love Baby Groot. Is he yeah. still? Is it still Vin Diesel doing the body? Yeah. <laughs> oh. They did the for sure. They just um, they just changed the octaves. I think. That's amazing, and I I think Groot's Groot, yeah, Groot's adorable. I think I can see why people would buy merchandise with him on it. <laughs> yeah. He's very cute. He's like the Baby Yoda of the Guardians. Well, he is the Baby Yoda of the Guardians. Absolutely, yeah. And I love the bit where. <laughs> When Drax is like, I have to go inside it and break out. And they're like, that makes no sense. The skin is just as strong inside as it is outside. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, that's hilarious because that's always the way. They always like, I have to go inside and blow it up from the inside uh, and stuff. And it's, uh, it, it, I was like, yeah, actually, well, how well, does that work? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're just, they're killing this creature because um, they're helping the whole race of these C3PO people. What were they called again? The the sovereign. Yes, the sovereign. The sovereign. C three PO people works for me. I'm happy. The C three PO people, um, the gold people, and uh, they're helping them in exchange for Nebula, who mm. is uh, Gamora's sister. Um, uh, however, as they are leaving, they discover that Rocket the raccoon has stolen some batteries, so the gold people hate them now. I know, such a disappointment from Rocket there, but. Silly. That's his character. That's his thing. It's That's his, his vibe. He likes I, I, I do naughty things. <laughs> they did say they were going to be a little bit good, a little bit bad. So he is fulfilling that quota. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And um, so they're trying to get away. I quite like the gold people. I like how they came. They're trying to put on this persona of, you know, we're very grand and stoic and stuff. But actually, they're a bit daft as well. Like they have funny moments. Yeah. And when they're trying to when they're fighting from their little ships, um if it like if they get destroyed obviously they don't die because they're not really that it's like transmitted but they they, they get destroyed they're like oh shit and they're all like oh you're rubbish <laughs> yeah. it's very um i think they kind of went for 1980s arcades with the way that looks didn't they it's it quite... was clever i thought it was quite quite a cool little idea it's like they're not really there so they don't die yeah <laughs> i don't get why why you know no other alien race has ever thought of this <laughs> i know well it's quite nice that it's their race that's thought of it because they seem very like narcissistic so like oh we are far too good to go into battle it makes a lot of sense to me exactly yeah so they're now going after the guardians because they want these batteries back but the guardians get saved by um uh by kurt russell yeah um who's you know i okay. good to get saved by kurt russell um, i would that and they, get, they get taken they uh meet kurt russell and kurt russell's like i'm your dad and peter's obviously a bit untrusting because he's like where have you been Which well yeah abandonment issues a big big vibe in this film <laughs> i know i know and yeah it's understandable i, I don't I, I that's just one thing with kurt russell's character is that he kind of expected everything to go right and well, yeah, he hasn't done everything right in this, even name, if he is a baddie. His name is literally Ego, so I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I know, he's just, yeah, we'll go into it once we discover his whole plan, but... <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Chris Pratt asked specifically for Kurt Russell to take this role. Because he likes Kurt Russell? I, yeah, he just thought he'd be right for the part, and Kurt Russell watched it and was like, yeah, this kid, I can see where he came from, he feels like he could be 
bit of me. I'll do this role. I think Kurt Russell just seems like a really nice guy. And he's, yeah, he's extremely charismatic. I know. And, I'd fall for it completely. I'd be like, yes, Ego, I'll have your baby. ages very slowly. Like, yes. it looks good. It's <laughs> Goldie Horn. I don't know what those two are eating, but I would love to be a part of whatever. They have portraits of themselves in the attic. That's what it for is. For sure. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Yondu, who in the previous film established that he was the one who kind of brought Peter up under yeah. his wing. Um, he's a bit down on his luck. He's not very popular at the moment because uh, they sort of say that you traded in children. Um, <laughs> yes, child trafficking, not great. Child trafficking, and they're like, <laughs> you know, you know, we're bad people, but that's too bad. So <laughs> there, are, there is a line, and I would say child trafficking probably tips you over the edge. Exactly. <laughs> who can say? It. Uh, I mean, that's you know, understandable. It does tip yeah. you over the edge a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, but he's visited by the C-3PO's. And again, this was kind of cool that they tried to make this grand entrance and then the, the carpet doesn't quite work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very silly. Um, and they are they basically ask him to go track down the Guardians. Which he wants to do anyway, really. So, Which is probably why they employed him. And they probably yeah. employed it because probably he, he'll have cheap rates because he's unpopular. Yeah, exactly. He's the one star hotel. <laughs> yeah. Peter Gamora and Drax go off with Kurt Russell to see Kurt Russell's home and Rocket and Groot stay behind. And we meet also this alien empath who's one of Kurt Russell's crew and she can sort of feel emotions and install emotions and stuff like that. Um, And they have a big explanation of her powers. And I thought, oh, they're going to use that later on in the story, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mantis is a very interesting character. She looks very interesting as well. Yeah, and I like her, the actress has obviously really thought out her mannerisms and the Mm. way she says things and really thought about what it would be like if you've not really had any social interaction at all and don't know how to interact sociably at all. And I like that she sort of latches onto Drax, (laughs) Mm. of all people, to teach her how to be sociable, I guess. I feel like it's natural because he has very basic emotions like, and he, he doesn't quite understand it either. So they kind of can sort of, you know, toddle through life <laughs> working it out i like their little friendship that they build meanwhile yondu arrives at where rocket and groot are and uh, surrounds them but he reveals that he doesn't intend to turn the guardians over to the gold people which creates a bit of a, a mutiny amongst them yeah uh, which nebula then takes advantage of um by sort of they knock out yondu and rocket um and she kind of like becomes, you know, allied with the mutineers. Then we have Kurt Russell then goes through this explanation of his life. And I love that his home is basically like a museum of his life. <laughs> it's like little mannequins and stuff like that. <laughs> and he explains that he was born as a planet, as you do, and yeah. assumed human form. He fell in love with Peter's mother and they made Peter, but he couldn't stay because his human form would die. It would not sustain itself. I listened carefully here because I was like, exposition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Peter is still unhappy with him about this. Peter's processing emotions here. Um, And then Kurt Russell shows how Peter can use the planet's energy himself to do magic things. Like Peter has similar capabilities, um, which usually involves these big blue tentacles. Yes. Well, I, I like a visual power personally because then you're like, okay, they're doing the power now. That's good. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like it's like a sort of old '40s film where you know, snap your fingers and then it's just sort of badly cut and then yeah. suddenly something appears. <laughs> yeah. 
the mutineers are killing anyone allied with Yondu. Um, and Nebula is working with them to track down and capture the other guardians. Um, and then Nebula leaves herself to do this on her own. Yes. So she's Nebula, that's what she does. She's a lone wolf. She is Nebula. a lone wolf. She's a lone blue wolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bond with Yondu based on that, but no. There's too many characters. They can't have everyone bonding together, I guess. No. They? <laughs> um, Yondu, Rocket and Groot all escape and Oh, and I love how he wipes out all the mutineers with his magic wands and then blows up the ship and stuff. I thought that was really, really cool. <laughs> his magic wand. <laughs> it's a magic wand. Oh, it's an arrow, I guess. It's an arrow. <laughs> it's like a wand. I I guess it is, yes. But would you I... call Robin Hood's bow and arrow a magic wand? <laughs> no, because he doesn't whistle to make it fly around. So it's not. Do many magic... people whistle to make their wands do what they ask them to? Yondu does. Yes, okay, fine. <laughs> it's not a magic wand, but everyone else in the world knows it's an arrow. <laughs> I thought that they made better use of the arrow, hmm. magic wand, whatever you want to call it, in this one. Because I remember when we talked about volume one, I completely forgot about it. And then at the end of the episode, you said, what did you think of his, his magic arrow? And I was like, what? Oh, yeah, that. Oh, that, that was that was kind of cool. Whereas this, I felt they really showed its capabilities Especially it's in this very, scene where it literally wiped out everyone. It's very cool. Like, and it just like, yeah. destroys everything. It's cool. It's not good if you can't whistle, obviously. <laughs> no, I can't whistle, so I'd be useless. I know, I'd probably get like, and then it would shoot me. And I'd be like, oh, I, really, I need to learn. Um, and they head off to Ego as well. The planet Ego. Yeah. Um, Pete and Gamora have a little lover's quarrel. Uh, but that's inter- interrupted by Nebula, who's like, yeah, and she wants to kill them, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was very amusing. <laughs> it's a good way to be interrupted if you're having a love. It makes you realise there are more important things at stake. I was like, no, I, want, I want that as a gift, and it's me arriving at work <laughs> on a Monday morning. Yes, make the gift. Gamora and Nebula fight, um, uh, but Nebula can't. Nebula gets the upper hand, but she can't quite bring herself to kill Gamora. She It's kind of established that they don't really want to kill each other. They just kind of want to win. Mm. Because I think they dealt with this. They they delved into this quite well. They talk very much about how their father, Thanos, very much brought them up to just be combative and not think about it. And it's kind of, they're sort of processing that and realising that life doesn't have to be like that. It's like bringing up your child and saying, well, it's pretty much how Donald Trump was brought up, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> You constantly have to do better. You constantly have to, everyone's against you. You just have to, you know, screw people over at all times. And that really screws you up because you don't have to live your life like that. No. Well, I love that you've just compared Donald Trump to Thanos, but I I think that's a fair, that's quite fair. I think so. Well, Donald Trump's father to Thanos. Donald Trump is nebula. Mm, I don't think. mm. (laughs) You're doing nebula a disservice there. (laughs) Yeah, nebula is quite redeemable here. Um, so they start fighting and they have a little exploration of the caverns and inside the caverns they find like lots and lots and lots of skeletons um which is a bit horrifying and yeah, they obviously it's yeah very dark isn't it as, as finds go they always they always have like these little bits of darkness in the guardian films but they don't go too far they just have little hints of it and then move off from it yeah they don't be long in the shadows exactly and a lot is left to the imagination which i think is quite good like in star wars i think of them um, what's a little monster in the hole in return of the jedi the little monster in the hole do you mean the sand 
The big, the sandworms? No. Oh, you mean the big, the white one? The, the, white... the one with the tentacles and a little beak. Oh, the panther? The sarlacc. Is it sarlacc? I'm going to look. That one. But, but they describe what happens when you fall into the hole and how it swallows you and you get digested over like a long period of time and stuff. And that's horrifying. Yes, and, Salak, um, you're right. This one. That's him. There he is. Um, and he, and you get these little tidbits of information, but you never see it. And that makes it kind of worse. And they don't describe it in too much detail. It's just like have a little line. You're like, ooh, no. It's not a way you'd want to go being digested over hundreds of years. It is not, no. <laughs> if I had to choose, that would be like bottom of the list. Yeah. So finding this kind of graveyard of skeletons is is that kind of moment, same similar kind of moment where you go, ooh, something bad happens here. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have a feeling from the beginning that there's something iffy going on with Kurt Russell's character. Um, but you don't know how iffy it is. I know yeah. they were originally going to make it so the planet had his face when you arrived, but that was going to be too much of a giveaway as to how... <laughs> <laughs> you arrive and it's a big evil planet like nah and you yeah, go mm. they were like, maybe maybe we don't do that maybe we just have Kurt Russell but you can see him like a, a sort of outline of his face on mm. the planet while he's talking to them which is interesting uh, yeah. yeah they did reveal that quite slowly it's not till a bit later on you see the face proper on yeah. the planet isn't it yeah Kurt Russell starts to show his true nature he shows Peter how to sort of see all eternity and that makes Peter's eyes go all like spacey and stuff hmm. um and he explains that he wants to turn everything into like himself. It's a bit of an iRobot situation. Yes. Isn't With it? A little egotistical maybe. Yeah. Well, it's more like Cybermen. Cybermen are like, well, if we make everything like us, then yes. it means everything's perfect. That's very true. He's a Cyberman. <laughs> He's a sort of a human Cyberman. God yeah. Cyberman. <laughs> Um, I guess God is very much like make everything in my own image vibe. Mm. So that kind of makes sense. That's actually. deep. Yeah. Never so, thought of that. Yeah. He's an um, idiot too. <laughs> but he, needs, he needs Peter's power along coupled with his to do so. And this is why he had a child. You can't, you gradually discover that it wasn't just Peter's mother that he was in. Well, he says he was in love with her, but now that's thrown into doubt because it turns out that he's coupled himself with like all alien races and there's been loads and loads of children. He's spread yeah. his seed like the patriarch that he is <laughs> um, in the hopes that at least one of these children will also have the same power as him so that he can do what he wants to do. And Peter was the only one. And mm. he employed Yondu and I, I think others as well, but Yondu was the main one to bring these children to him. And if it turns out they didn't have the power, he killed them. And that's yeah. the skeletons in the cavern, which you're like, that's cruel. You're a villain. Definitely now. No doubt now. <laughs> very, very bad man. We don't trust him at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it. He, did, he gets worse over time because he reveals that he killed Peter's mum. I know. This is where I was like, Kurt Russell, mate, like you, you're not thinking through this plan here. You're just assuming that Peter's going to ally yourself with you. No yeah. matter what. And you've just revealed to him that you've slaughtered all these children and you've killed his mother and you're still like, so we still good to do the thing? Yeah. And Peter's <laughs> yeah, like, no. <laughs> and he didn't even kill his mum 
he gave her a tumor and like made her die very very slowly i know and he was like it's because i loved her too much i was being dragged back so i had to give her a tumor i was like that's bullshit sarah lies lies <laughs> lies and fairy tales you just wanted to kill someone i think yeah. <laughs> that's all it is <laughs> he's a horrible person uh but yondu uh later on explains yeah he did do it but then he couldn't do it with peter he so he kept peter to himself so he delivered all the other kids. He delivered all the other kids. Yeah, that, that makes sense with the child trafficking situation. <laughs> I think this makes sense why they killed him off. Um, because I think it's a situation where the character, although they've redeemed themselves, their past actions are so bad that th they can't go on living. That They can't yeah. go on in the story. You can't, the audience is just to be like, well, how can we possibly get behind this character as if he's a good guy? He literally caused the death of all these children. Um, and I think it's that that sort of it's necessary for them to die. Yeah, I know what you mean. It just seemed a shame, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it it doesn't make it clear that he knew they were dying, or like whether they were just, you know, going so down and bad shit was happening. I, I got the impression that he didn't know at first, but he kind of gradually discovered what was going on, and then yeah. kind of discovered that Peter is probably the one that. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe he kept Peter because he was worried that Peter would die. Maybe I think it's true to love him. Maybe it's because Earth mm. is so much further away. It was a longer journey back. Yeah, there's no service stations on the way. No, so you just bond. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess that is, again, that is quite selfish in a way because the only one he saved was the one that he forged a bond with. Yeah, true. But... Not very selfless. Like, But then, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an ambiguous anti-hero. He is a very ambiguous Mary Poppins-like anti-hero. He flips and flops. Oh, Mary <laughs> Poppins, I love the bit where Drax is like, he says, you're like Mary Poppins when Drax is floating down. He goes, is he really cool? <laughs> goes, yes, he is. <laughs> I'm just like Mary Poppins. That was the new Kevin Bacon of this film. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, so that means so Peter's like, no, I don't really want to like do your nefarious schemes now, thanks. So he <laughs> sort of forces Peter to do it by linking him to the magic blue glowy tentacles. Yeah, it just goes right for his heart, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is in big dire stakes around dire straits, even. Mm. Is that right? Dire straits around dire the straits. planet. I was about to say island. But yeah, everyone else is in trouble. Yeah, everyone's in big trouble because the tentacles then are link Peter to the, all these cute little plants that are on all these, uh, very, that turn out to be on all these planets where he's, you know, shacked up with some poor innocent woman. And um, and these then, <laughs> these plants then explode into some kind of great big blob thing that just expands over the planet and is destroying it, basically. Yes. So you, you wonder where the Avengers were <laughs> during this time. <laughs> Good, yeah. I was thinking like, oh, so, you know, Captain America, where are you? Maybe they'll do they reference it in maybe they reference it in future films. I know you won't tell me, but we'll see. We'll see. But I did I did think it would be quite nice if you just saw them all rock up like what? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> That's strange. He'd be ideal to stop a big blob of taking over the planet. Yeah, yeah. The other guardians attack and they break, they manage to break the tentacle and save Peter. And they realize that if they drive into the center of the planet and destroy the core of it that kills ego for good so they have to do that however the c-3po's all arrive and they're all like we want our batteries <laughs> and um but they managed to get destroyed by nebula and yondu they work together and they do 
something really cool with the guns on the ship and it kills them all. Yeah. Well, it doesn't kill them all. It destroys all their ships so they can't attack yeah. anymore. The little drones are gone. Um, Groot is the only one small enough to kind of get through into the core, through all the holes and stuff. But they, they oh, it's so cute. They're trying to communicate to him about which button to press. And he's like, this one? They're like, no, no, not that one. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> he's very, very cute, isn't he? Yeah. And the bit where uh, earlier on when they're trying to escape, they need Groot to go and get a certain thing and he keeps coming back with the wrong thing. And he seems so proud of himself. Ah, uh, no. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> I think I know that he's a character who's basically like shoehorned in for merchandising, but I think they used him really well in the story as well, which makes yeah. it okay. With capitalism, totally okay if you've got it's that. Kind of and it's kind of bittersweet, isn't it? Because he's he's baby Groot, but he's not the old Groot because he doesn't have any of the memories of the old Groot. So the old yeah. Groot is still dead, but this is like a new Groot. Mm, but it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's kind of bittersweet because you're like, oh, will he grow up to be the same as the original Groot? Will he be as wise? <laughs> or as aggressive? So. Maybe he'll be a different Groot. Who knows? Yeah. We see him later on as a teenage Groot, which I thought was very funny. But it, I know. He doesn't not want to clean cute. his room and stuff and he's playing his computer game. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bode well. For the merchandising. I don't think yeah. we'll be into teenage group, but we'll see. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and in order to give them time to fight oh, off the C3POs, the empath lady is able to put Kurt Russell to sleep using her powers. Yes. Um, so they use her powers very well in that. Um, but that doesn't last for long. So so they're still fighting Kurt Russell. And uh, Peter is able to tap into Kurt Russell's powers and then use them against him. And he like, well, Kurt Russell becomes like a big giant rock giant thing. Uh, Chris Pratt becomes a great big Pac-Man which I thought was really fun too yeah they have so many references to arcade games in this one but um, one of the technology pieces he uses is actually like an old 80s gaming device that they've just adapted to look like a space device mm. there's all these little, little easter eggs for it oh yeah that was the other re that was the reason why Peter gets so angry with him is he destroys the um the, the, tape, the tape at the Walkman, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's like my Walkman, and yeah, that's that was quite good. It was because that's a like a symbol of his connection to home, isn't it? Yeah, that's the last thing he has. Mm. And Yondu's, oh yeah, he taps into the power because Yondu's like, I I control my magic arrow not with my head, with with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful message. It's it's yeah, very original. Um, <laughs> but this gives Groot time to get to the core and success. They manage to destroy it. The other characters all get off, but Peter's kind of stuck on the planet. So Yondu manages to fly down and sort of fly him up. But um, whilst Peter is protected by like a, that sort of spacesuit thing, Yondu dies when they enter, then they leave the planet's atmosphere and dies in space. And that's the very sad thing because he gives him the spacesuit to protect him and he makes that choice that he's going to sacrifice himself. And hmm. Not he does yet. yeah and yeah i mean i agree with you that maybe a third film with the exploring the, the the relationship between the two of them would be good but like i said i i wonder if they killed him off because of the things he's done in the past yeah i know what you mean mm. it's a tricky one isn't it with uh kurt russell dead peter no longer has these powers but that's okay doesn't need him anyway does he um, no. Nebula leaves to seek and kill Thanos because she realizes, oh, Thanos is bad. <laughs> He's the well, one who screwed me up. Yeah, that's a very fair read of the situation. And I think therapy has helped her. <laughs> um, which, yeah, again, like I said, I really liked, I, re I thought Nebula was really interesting and I really like to see what happens with her in the future. Yeah. 
Uh, they have a funeral for Yondu where the various, the mutineers all come back and pay their respects. And I'm like, but are you sure you want to be seen at this funeral? But okay. <laughs> um, a very nice funeral. It's a very nice funeral. Yeah. Very, um, very Asgard funeral. Yes. Very Asgard funeral. Yeah. Um, and Peter and Gamora are now a couple as well. Which is cute as well. They don't make that a big deal, but it just sort of happens. He just kind of puts his arm around her, doesn't he? Which I thought yeah. was quite good. But she says something like, oh, it's so unspoken. I can't remember exactly what she says now. It's, it, he calls it, he's, isn't that at one point, he's like, now we need to talk about this unspoken thing between us. And he's kind of playing around with her a little bit or something. Yeah. Um, and she, she, Gamora being Gamora is like, you know, wall, 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 all in front of me. But now she, her walls are coming down. The, there's various credit scenes. We see Sylvester Stallone and his team. Are they like, are they setting up like some, because there is a third one that's going to come out, isn't there? So, I so guess they're meant to be, I was just informed by Chris. <laughs> it rarely happens. Um, they're meant to be the very original Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I see. Okay. So. So uh, I guess depending on how much energy Christopher Stallone has, he'll come back into the third one. We'll see. I very don't old. <laughs> it might just be a little nod rather than anything else. But I got that impression that it could just be more a nod and cameos and stuff. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, if we have Michelle, if we have Michelle come and do something, that would be really cool. <laughs> I I I feel like if they don't bring her back for that, bring her bring her into something because I feel like she can yeah. do she well, she can like every movie she's in she's phenomenal so mm. and she kicks out like crushing tiger hidden dragon i know it was a long time ago but she kicks ass in it well, i haven't seen that in years no, <laughs> i need to rewatch that but yeah she does she i think she is lined up to do some stuff for the older upcoming movies she's going to be in shang chi and the legend of the ten rings um we also see the c3po's or the sovereign um they vow vengeance against the guardians they're really really pissed off mm. so create something called adam in a great yes. gold container. So a lot of religious references in this. <laughs> they are actually, aren't they? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it's like the Bible, but for comic book readers. Yeah, well, I guess they probably, you know, to them, that is their Bible. Yeah. See, they think I'm he's like, going to be Oh, attractive. that's deep. Like, they re- they've done the Bible for comic readers, but for comic book readers, comic books are the Bible. Exactly. Damn. <laughs> Everyone's suspicious that he's going to be Adam Warlock. He's in the comic books. Okay. He looks a bit like this. Oh, he looks like Captain America, but with like gold eyes. Yeah. I think he originally had one of the um, Infinity Stones in him. Oh, okay. He was originally just known as him. Him. Like um, <laughs> like the villain in the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> and a bit like a Frankenstein's monster. No name. Oh, yeah. The month is like the, cr- the creature or the monster, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Ah, well, yeah, Guardians, I'd say a good solid 3.5 out of 5. Did you prefer it to the first Guardians? I liked both in different ways. I think the first one was slightly better. It was slightly more variety to it, I think. This second one was, I mean, the second one was longer, weirdly, but there wasn't as much. There was sort of, you know, it felt like there was just the mutant, the mutineer setting and the ego setting. Yeah. And they just kind of like worked with that and stuff. So maybe they were trying to narrow it down a bit and because it's a slightly more emotional backstory than yeah. the first one. But the first one I felt had that sort of a bit more chaos to it. 
that was that had the fun element. So I think they maybe should have done that more. But it it was fine. It was good entertainment. And I guess the first one had that sort of element of like the prison break story, which is quite a simplistic storyline to follow before going into everything else. Whereas this maybe just sort of dives in. Yeah. Who doesn't love a prison break? Shawshank Redemption, very successful film. (laughs) A prison break or a heist, I think is what we've established here. That's what we want from all of our films. That's it. That's it. Well, it's good because they take a sort of genre of film and then superhero it up. Mm. Um, A bit like like Jessica Jones did with film noir. Um, Yes. And that's it. And that's that's I think that's always fun to see. It gives it a real original edge. Whereas I think this one, other than maybe making it a religious film, um, <laughs> it, it didn't have it didn't have that to it. But you can't I guess you can't expect every film to have that because there's only so many genres of film. <laughs> well, yeah. And it kind of I guess it feels a bit like a the first one kind of felt a bit like Firefly, which is a hmm. space western. Yeah which kind of feels a bit like now because you've got pirates but cowboy type pirates in space this, this one's more like a more like opera yeah, space opera that's very it's good space opera really isn't it yeah yeah that's good that's probably the vibe it is because it's very lots of oh, i'm actually your father i'm really your father emotion yeah yeah, I'm yeah. and i hate you but now i like you and now i'm gonna go kill my father very yeah. it's <laughs> very, it very greek tragedy very greek tragedy very opera yeah yeah do, do you prefer the first one to the second one? I did. Um, yeah, I did prefer the first one. I think I think you kind of... This one's... I know it's not set that long after the events of the first one. Hmm. But I feel like they are all still quite fragile around each other. And I kind of liked how it ended. It seemed like they were a very established group. Yeah. Whereas it seemed like they were almost rebuilding that up again. And one of my least favourite things in films is like where, I talk about this all the time, but where like a couple get together and in the sequel they're not together anymore to get back together. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Like, it feels like lazy writing to me. It is, yeah. It's it's sort of just repeating what happened before, but they just have to fall in love again. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I just want something different. I'd like them to be an established couple now doing something different. Like or... in the Mummy films. Yes, like the Mummy films. And that's why, even though that sequel is def- <laughs> probably not critically acclaimed. I, I used to love it. it. I used to love it. And I rewatched it recently. I was like, this is bonkers. This makes no sense whatsoever. But I used I to love it when I was younger. <laughs> All of the twists as well. It's like, oh, and he was actually a guard. And she was actually a princess. <laughs> I know. And it's and actually, they were all living in ancient Egypt all together. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Mad, I didn't really, madness. It's mental, but it was still enjoyable because it was them as a unit working together. And that's kind of what I wanted from this, like more of a established unit, I guess. But I know, they yeah, kind of said that they're quite fragile egos, all of them. So they're still know. they're still getting to know each other in it, mm. I think. Um which, but yeah, that kind of feels like that's why Rocket is so unsteady on his feet because he's not sure of where he stands and and why he's yeah he still does things like stealing the batteries, which causes you know a, even more chaos. I think that's him uh, giving himself a bit of insurance in mm. a way, isn't it? And um, yeah, I think and that was good. And uh, yeah, I think you're right actually. They by the end of it, they do very well establish the fact that they're a bit more connected. Yeah, lot of all this. Um, so yeah, some pretty good character work in it is not as involving as the Avengers I would say but it's it's good it does feel a lot like um, a D&D campaign because I don't know if you've ever played them but like you have characters so people who just want to be chaotic for no reason and you're yeah. still kind of like when you first start playing a new campaign with the same characters you're all a bit still 
awkward around each other and then you start playing and then you get back to where you were so I kind of get it yeah that's kind of what it reminds me of like a space dungeons and dragons campaign yeah I liked mantis it was nice to have more female characters in it this time actually yeah yeah they've sort of expanded on it and added in mantis and yeah I think nebula gets a bigger role and yes yes and I think they she's not in it loads but they managed to convey everything that she ever all her development in quite a short space of time in yeah. that, which I thought was quite good. Um, I'm always impressed when a writer is able to take a very small amount of time and do quite a lot with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they did this pretty well in Guardians because there's a lot of characters and they're all very, very distinctive characters. There's no mm-hmm. subtlety in it. So I think that must have been quite challenging to write to be like, we need every character to have their moment, but no one can fall into the background. Yeah. You've only got, well, it's two hours, 20 minutes, but just over two hours, basically to do that in that's that's quite tough i think they struggle with that in avengers age of ultron yeah they do it's a it's a lot of fun it's a really fun i, I do feel sad at the end but i think that's just me because i'm like i just want another movie of yondu before he dies <laughs> maybe they could do a prequel yeah that would be nice little prequel series about yondu and young peter quill yeah yeah well disney are releasing all sorts of crap so you know maybe they will <laughs> let's write to them we'll be like we found some more crap for you <laughs> <laughs> found some more crap yeah <laughs> Ah, well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Then three point five isn't too bad. You're right, yeah. very mid level, but upper mid level. Mid, yeah, mid, mid upper mid level. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. volume one is in the higher level for me. Did you prefer it to? Um, I guess after Luke Cage, uh, not Luke Cage. Um, Iron Fist. It would feel like a breath of fresh air. Oh yeah, I mean, Iron Iron Fist isn't even on the list. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, what did you think of it in comparison to Doctor Strange? Because they're very different tonally. They are really different. I've put both of them in the mid-level. Mid, there isn't like a mm. ranking system within the levels. Yeah. I have a very complex system here. Um, <laughs> they're just in there floating around each other yeah. like particles. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess they're both more um, out there in terms of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's something a bit different and quirkier. Yeah. Um, before you return to, because the, the Captain Americas and the Thors and stuff, because they're the ones that started it off. I guess they're the more conventional ones. Yeah, Whereas for sure. In phase three, we're really seeing how there's there's new superheroes coming in who will provide a different tone and different themes and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in the comic books, um, did you, ever, you you've watched X Men, right? Yeah. So in the comic books, um, Peter Quill is actually with Kitty Pride. Oh, really? She's yeah. the one who goes through walls, isn't she? Yeah, she sort of phases through stuff. Yeah, mm. they end up together. <laughs> Which kind of cute, but I like him with Gamora. I think they work well together. Do you want me to quiz you? Let's quiz it. Let's do it. Okay. Hang on, let me get my notes. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-da. Quiz. Starting with the worldwide total it made. 900 million. Not bad. Um, 863.8. Oh, okay. Nice. Which is pretty good. Wish I, I could make that. I know. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't sneeze at that kind of money. <laughs> I'd take a point eight to be honest. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is surpassing its first film, which was 773, which was significantly higher than Doctor Strange. Interesting. Well, I guess the sequels tend to make more because it's like well, I'm saying the first film even made more than Doctor Strange. Oh, well, well, the first film is still, it's an ensemble, isn't it? Whereas Doctor Strange was hanging on one person a little bit. So. Yeah, it's, it's the Benedict fans, whereas this you've got the Chris Pratt fans, the Zoe fans, the... Um, Bradley Cooper, Dave Bautista, yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot going on then, so mm. intriguing. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 80%. 
85. 85. Oh, yeah. So they said it's action-packed plot, dazzling visuals and irreverent humour add up to a sequel that's almost as fun, if not quite as thrillingly fresh as its predecessor. I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's, yeah, that's pretty well balanced. It's yeah. a lot of fun, not as good. Yeah. 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 Did you spot Sam Lee? Yeah, he was, um, uh, he was being interrogated by some aliens and he made a reference to like a past cameo as well and then then in like the post-credit scene they like walk off because they're obviously bored of him <laughs> <laughs> so that actually the fact that he's addressed a previous cameo acknowledges a fan theory people have that he's portraying the same person in every film right so he's a watcher a watcher oh. yes he's like working for the watchers observing things um and Kevin Feige was like so this kind of proves that he clearly exists above and apart from the reality of all the films Ah, interesting. Yeah, so that's quite fun. fun. They would have been cool if he turns out to be, you know, the one that connects it all up together. But I guess that will not happen now for he is not no longer with us. I think he has pre-filmed quite a few cameos. Oh, okay. That's quite nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, Um, we'll see what happens there. Did you spot what little knickknack Peter placed at Yondu's side? No, oh, I didn't notice that. So well, when, put, it, when they're at the funeral? Yeah. No, I didn't notice. So he put the little troll doll from the first film. Oh, yeah. You know the one that he had put in the Infinity Stone to replace it? Yeah. So Yondu kept that little troll doll. Um, yes, yeah, because he switched it up, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so apparently it's kind of a bittersweet thing because um, he smiled when he saw that and he only opened it up because he he knew that if he'd opened it up and it was the infinity set he would have died so he opened it up knowing that the what infinity saying wasn't in there uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah i never thought of that that's clever yeah so then they kind of implied that he was proud of him for that and now in this sequence like he felt he was his real dad and he's going to hang on to this object because it proves he raised his son to do the right thing yeah which oh. is quite quite cute right did you spot anything interesting about um, Yondu's particles in the funeral? They take on a shape. Uh, no, I did not. Oh, well, you probably thought it was a magic wand, but it was actually an arrow. <laughs> which oh, is, I see. Like his magic arrow. So it's like, is this an indication of his spirit living on? Or is it a filmmaker's paying a tribute? What is it? It's a memorable finish either way. Nice idea. Very yeah. sweet. Um, did you spot <laughs> a celebrity in the, the one of the final credits, post credit scenes? Uh, other than Sylvester Stallone and Michelle Yeoh? Yeah. Uh, no. No, so, I did not. It's, it's a, it would be a hard one for you to spot because it's more of an audio thing. So there's this little severed robotic head. Okay. And it's very excited and starts talking. Mm. It's like, yeah. Um, and that is like an AI created by Tony Stark. Yeah. But it's voiced by Miley Cyrus. Is it? How, yeah. how funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite fun. Um, so you see lots of people dancing at the end in the soundtrack. You know, in the yeah. Did you spot anyone who wasn't in the film dancing? Someone who wasn't in the film. Was it? I know who was missing from the film. Glenn Close. <laughs> no, it was Jeff Goldblum. Was that? What's he doing there? So he's in a he's in an upcoming Marvel film. Ah. It's unclear why he's actually in the post credits. People are like, was he doing a cameo that got cut, or is it just to tease the next film? We yeah. don't know. But he does ah. a little. He's there boogieing with the rest of them. 
did you notice what song they played during Yondu's funeral scene? Uh, no, I didn't recognise most of the songs. Oh, well, that's going to be a sad one for the next question. But oh. <laughs> it's Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Oh, oh that's cute. Recently with us in a conversation. Uh, I was going to say, do you, and the final question was, did you recognise any of the songs from the soundtrack? Not really, no. I'm not up to scratch on music. <laughs> the ones I thought you would maybe have recognised is like Mr Blue Sky by ELO. I recognise the name of it. Um, I probably recognise it again if I heard it. Yeah. Um, the Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Um, they also had they have a song by George Harrison which is interesting based on what we know about oh, maybe that's why Chris Pratt chose him yeah maybe um, and when we've got uh, a David Hasselhoff <laughs> sing along did you did David Hasselhoff cameo was quite funny yeah that was very funny yeah very good I think David Hasselhoff is one of those actors who just lives on being David Hasselhoff well why wouldn't you I know well it's just he, he he just lives on having cameos as David Hasselhoff. Yeah, and it works for him. He's probably got more money than either of us combined. Yeah, he's well, he definitely career. has. I, I, I want his career. <laughs> I'd love to just be famous for being me. I'd be like, yes, I shall appear. Um, and yeah, that was my last question, really. Excellent. And then they also referenced uh, Knight Rider when he, he, she's like, doesn't she call it like a magic boat or something? And he's like, no, it's a talking car. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked all the scenes of um, Mantis and Drax because you kind of get the feeling there's this romantic undercurrent. That mm. stuff like when he, she's like, oh, can I pet your dog? And he's like, yeah. And then she does. And it, this rocket, and he like attacks her and she's horrified. He's like, ha, 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 that was a practical joke. And at the end when he tells her, she's beautiful, but on the inside. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's... It's like a real, I feel they could do that as a real slow burner romance because um, neither of them understand social cues very well. So they're yeah. going to have to take a while to understand each other's social cues. I thought, yeah, it was it was fun. It's a very different kind of relationship, I thought, that they established with that. So, yeah. yeah. And that was very cute at the end because I did love that where he's like, she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. He's like, it is. Mm. And you are. Yeah. On the inside, <laughs> it, was good, it was a good, like, little comedic beat. Maybe they can take some leaves out of um, Peter Quill and Gamora's book. They can, sort of, if they see them, they can learn like romance from that or something. Yeah, that would be cute. We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. What have we got next? Yeah, judging by your facial expression, you know, don't you know what we've got next? I just want you to say it out loud. <laughs> it is Agents of Shield season four. <laughs> <laughs> And how many episodes are there? 22. Are you kidding me? 22. You're now, you're now Nebula arriving on the planet like that. I am. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay, that's fine. And then we've fine. got... You've got the rest of the Easter weekend to get started on this. I had so many plans. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Did people like it? I don't even remember. I know you won't. I don't know what I'm offering. What matters is what we think of it. Obviously. It's true. And then we've got a film after that. We do. We have Spider-Man Homecoming after that, which is nice. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Well, you love Spider-Man. So that's that we to watch. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. On to 22 episodes of Agents of Shield. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.